I was at the Super Bowl in Atlanta, Judy and I. Uh, we went in there. It was against Buffalo. And one of the things that happened that day, aside from a young man named Larry Brown who won the MVP, Brian, uh, it was a and it, it was a kind of a fluky thing because of what he did in the game with his interceptions and so forth. But I watched Chad Hennings. And this mm-hmm. guy, he won three Super Bowls in four years, part of the team that did that with the Dallas Cowboys. And Judy Come and I on. were at one of those Super Bowls. It was in Atlanta. And I watched Chad Hennings play. And this guy, uh, he won the Outland Trophy uh, for the uh, it's the it's the trophy for the top you know uh, defensive player in football in uh, when you're in college, and he won it at the Air wow. Force Academy. And you know what what was interesting about him? Not you know fascinating thing was that he just made every play right. He just did everything right. He's a defensive lineman, and he just held the line, and and the Cowboys just overwhelmed the Bills in that uh, particular game. And so it was uh, really fun to meet Chad Hennings and talk to him about excellence because he went into business after the Cowboys when he left in 2000. Um, Sure. And he just stands for excellence. And then to talk to him about his Christian faith and why he started a thing called Wingmen, which came out of the fact that he flew, you know, he was an Air Force aviator and actually flew in combat missions. And to talk to him about that, and to actually, you know, sometimes, Brian, you get sort of around somebody and it just lifts you up. Sure. I love those people. Yeah. <laughs> makes you feel larger. Makes you feel like, makes you feel like, yeah. uh, man, you know, it's great to be a person. You know, it's just, yeah. it's good to be it's just, human. It's just, it's just too bad the Seahawks are the best team in the league. You know, but, uh, well, here's the deal. I'll introduce you to Chad personally. And uh, I know he's a nice guy. He'll still take you out. Yeah, when I graduated from college, uh, I graduated from Old Roberts University uh, back in the day, Paul, and uh, went back to Seattle and worked for the Seahawks for about a year and uh, ran game camera. You know the game camera that yep. follows the game back and forth? Yep. And ran that camera for about a year and worked really hard, but uh, really enjoyed that time and got to be back, back, uh, you know, backstage scenes, and, yeah. and, and locker room and all that. Yeah. Um, but what a great opportunity for you to interview um not only a, a leader in business and in sports and uh but a philanthropist and a, a christ follower yeah that's just that's exciting he's an amazing guy i think you're gonna love this today on brave men it's brave men with paul lewis cole wisdom and courage for the journey I'm on with uh, Chad Hennings, and Chad played football. You're in the Air Force. You're, uh, you've started a ministry. You, you've done commercial real estate development, uh, all these accomplishments. But, but for my world and my family, just personally, we remember you in the Super Bowls. You're three-time Super Bowl champion, which is a pretty amazing thing. Who's the, so let's do sports first. And then we'll get into some of the other stuff that's really important, right? But, but man, who, who was one of the toughest guys? You went because you're defensive, defensive tackle mostly, right? Yep. Okay. And you're six, 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 played at 285, 290, right? Something like that. And what, who's the toughest guy you ever went up against? You know, actually, probably the best guy I went up against was my teammate, Larry Allen. So oh, I got a yeah. bad 
him every practice. Oh, man. And, you know, he's pretty well, Hall of Famer. Yeah. He was, when any man can bench press 750 pounds, you have Multiple to respect Multiple times. That. Well, yeah. You have to respect that. But, um, you know, we had great rivalries. It was against, you know, the whole lines for us. Well, that was San Francisco, Green Bay, Philadelphia Eagles. We, yeah. There were some great rivalries back in the day. Yeah, there really were. And then you, know, and then you had Charles Haley playing next to you. You played with some characters, man. Michael Irvin. Characters. You know, we had a lot of, there was a lot of levity in the locker room. Put it that way. From Michael Irvin, um, Nate Newton, Nate Mark Jouane, yeah, Frank Cornish. Yes. And, and Charles Haley. I'm, we're reminiscing down all these names, but these guys really would cut each, I mean, do what guys do. Yeah. You know, ride each other, tease each other, and it, you know, all in love. But man, it was some hilarious. I've never laughed so hard in my life than just but, just sitting there being entertained. But they pushed each other to excellence. I mean, very much so. To me, so. you know, what every man desires uh, is is a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, uh, and and a sense of brotherhood that I'm part of something. And in a microcosm of brotherhood, that's what a sports team is. And, and I think that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. That same exhilaration that you felt is, is seems to me like the church has lost a lot of that. Yeah, amen. You that's, know, we, we, we long to be part of the body of Christ, which is, you know, Jesus utilized several analogies. They're team analogies. What's your role? What's your strength? Play to your strength, play to your role. Not everybody's going to be a you know, all-star wide receiver or the uh, all-pro quarterback. Some guys need to be special teams. Some guys need to be managers, trainers. It takes a whole team concept to win Super Bowls, and it's certainly at this mm -hmm. game we call life and living excellence. It takes a team where everybody brings their best self to the table every day. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things we've been talking about recently, I've been talking about, Chad, is that, you know, hope comes from God, but it's delivered by people. And so brotherhood is that thing that stirs us up and that helps us cope with, you know, like right now in this COVID-19 crisis, you know, we, we need each other. Oh, more so than ever. And I think, I think we chatted about this potentially before and the fact that, you know, before this current pandemic of the Wuhan virus, there was the epidemic of the isolated male. Yeah. Where men, men, you know, were, were afraid to reveal that they had any chinks in their armor, that, that, you know, they didn't have it all together, that everybody was Rambo or Gary Cooper at high noon, that they could take on the world by themselves. And they're yeah. afraid to admit any type of frailty and be transparent. And that's, you know, that's a shame. You know, what's fascinating to me is that the fastest growing, you know, particularly in the, under the pressure we're in now, we're seeing this exacerbated, which is suicide, drug abuse, alcoholism is just going rampant, uh, angry men at home. We've sent young, we closed the schools. We sent millions of young people back into a pressure cooker. In fact, the only safe place they had was school. But, uh, you know, I, I see this thing and it, it seems to me that one of the things that that we're dealing with with men is there's this latent pent up sort of, I know I've got a purpose. I just don't know what it is. 
you know, and, and it feels like, and you started a ministry called Wingmen in order to yeah. deal with that. Why am I here on the earth? What is it you speak to men about in that? You know, one of the things, and I'll just kind of share a little information on why I called it Wingman. Because when I was a jet fighter pilot flying A-10s, where that was a training or combat mission, I would never go on that mission solo. Wow. We'd always have one wingman or a group, we called it a, a, a four-ship, of, of jets that would go trying to accomplish a specific task. So anytime that, um, you know, when I would fly a mission, a combat mission in northern Iraq, and I'd fly out, and when we were flying home, we would do what we called a battle damage check where I would look over my wingman, look below him, above him, side to wow. side to see if he had any leaking fluids, if he took any, you know, not that we were, uh, you know, surface air missiles or anti-aircraft were, were being shot at us, but you check your wingman over. And if there was a malfunction, I had an emergency procedure where on a ferry flight from England to uh, Insulik, Turkey, where we were flying our missions out of, um, I lost an engine over the Mediterranean Sea. Wow. And if the A-10 isn't very much an underpowered aircraft to begin with. So I'm flying off of one engine. I had three other of my wingmen with me. One guy would navigate. Another guy would do the calls. Another guy would read the checklist, emergency checklist items with me to make sure wow. that I was taken care of. And my sole job was just fly my jet. Fly my jet. So we worked together as a team for, for me ultimately to, to land that plane. And I landed at Suda Bay on the island of Crete, a naval air station. Wow. And safely got there. But it was that whole concept of what a wingman does. Mm -hmm. And that's why I named it Wingman. Our ministry is because through life, we all need wingmen. Men that just, whether we're in combat, in a, in a, in a role sometimes when life happens to us, or if we're just going through life, we need those relationships where we can be transparent, where we can you know, uh, accept, affirm, and hold each other accountable. Yeah, there's no such thing as a one-man army. Uh, in fact, a one-man army is already defeated. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, what I was, what I was going to mention a minute ago is that, is that in the culture we're in right now, and all this pressure, suicide rates have gone up. The fastest growing segment of suicide rates is the age of uh, somewhere between 48 to 64. Now check this out. The fastest growing states, in other words, per capita that are growing fastest in that age group of suicide of men are Montana, Wyoming, and Alaska. And here's what's fascinating to me, Chad, about that, is those are the states in which we so often celebrate the, the lone rider on a horse, you know, the, the, the man facing down the challenge by himself. Right. And it's that individualism and that individual, those states are known for that in a sense. And yet that's where suicide rates growing because there's nobody to talk to. You know, and so when you do Wingman, and you've written three books also. So uh, what's the website for Wingman? You go to Wingman with an E, the plural version of Wingman, wingman.org. Wingman.org. Okay. So I'm on, guys. And then are your books available on that site? or You can go to my, I have a personal website, chadhennings.com. Chadhennings.com. All right. So those are the two sites. So I want, to, I want guys to know about that, chadhennings.com. And then uh, we'll put that up in the comments and then wingmen.org 
is the is the the ministry and you know the football thing what what is what did you carry we know we're talking about the locker room and the fun you guys had there was also some issues going on you also played under uh three different coaches that'd be right I was actually, I think I played under five. I was drafted by Tom Landry, but I was serving my commitment. Right. I Jimmy Jones, Barry Switzer, Chan Gailey, and Dave, Dave Campo. Dave so Campo, I had five that's head right. coaches in but, a nine-year But the career. Super Bowls were uh, Jimmy Johnson and Switzer. Correct. Yeah. So th- that, <laughs> those are two characters right there, man. They were diametrically opposed leadership styles on the totally. total opposite ends of the spectrum. One a micromanager and one of uh, kind of a laissez-faire. As long as you show up for the plane on time, I don't care what you do. You know, uh, I, loved, I loved the story of Switzer in between when he was a college coach because he won national championships. And they were in a national championship uh, or in a bowl game at the time. There wasn't a championship game. They were in a bowl game. And at halftime, uh, he went in and called a bunch of his recruits for the following year and said, what do you think of the game? Hey, he's the consummate sales guy. I, I love Barry Switzer. Barry's yeah, that was Switzer. Guy. And, of course, he very successful in business. Most people don't know that. And, uh, but he – yeah, and it, but Johnson would be totally opposite, right? He's in the meticulous uh, X's and O's and, and what's happened. He would never have made that. No, call, right? he uh, was on top, very much the micromanager. His finger yeah. was on the pulse of the team constantly. Yeah, pretty amazing. So two different styles, and yet both of them champions at different levels. What is it in the heart of a man that, that enables him to move to a place of excellence? As you, Because you've coached, you've been in business, you've done all these things, Chad. What is it in a man's life that moves him to a place of excellence? For me, it's know thyself. What's your identity? You know, so many guys today, and this is where you talk about suicide rates and substance abuse, is because a lot of times men put their identity in what they do or how much money that we make. That's how we keep score. Yeah. You know, so what you do does not define who you are. And when you're unemployed, underemployed, or looking for a new job, you really struggle with who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? But that's where, you know, for me personally, I, I struggled with the identity concept because my whole identity was based one based on performance, like a lot of guys. Growing yeah. up, the great American work ethic, it's all about what yep. you achieve, accomplishments, et cetera. And, you know, through my personal testimony, which we can maybe tap into at some other point in time, I came to a point in my life where I couldn't control the outcome. And that's where I really cried out to God, you know, God help me. Where and was I, that? Tell me about that. Where was well, that? it was actually after the third Super Bowl, we had won. We won three Super Bowls in four years. My son, Chase, who was two and a half years old at the time, three weeks after we won the Super Bowl. And actually, we talked about Reggie White uh, in our pre-interview here on how great of a man he was. Um, I had a Super Bowl record for a year. I had two sacks, and then Reggie White broke it the next year when they played New England. But uh, Yeah, that's funny. But my, uh, my son got sick, and it was one of those aspects literally overnight, just bang. He ended up, long story short, he had an autoimmune illness, but there were times where high fevers, rash, inability mm. to walk, physicians kind of like mm. in this coronavirus period where they didn't know what the heck's going on, how to wow. diagnose it. Nothing was really prevalent. And 
that was the only time in my life where I couldn't overcome. I couldn't fix it, you know, from being one of the strongest guys in the Cowboys to, um, you know, making well, money, you, being a you, you went to, I couldn't help Yeah. Out. You went to the Air Force Academy. You nailed that. You were in high school. You got all kinds of uh, offers to, you, you just been through life. Bam, nailed that. Bam, nailed that. You're flying. It's called a warthog, isn't it? The yeah, correct. And you flew. And, uh, and that was because of your height. Was that, was that it? Part of yeah, the reason? You... One of the only planes that could, they let me fly. <laughs> you could fit in. And then, uh, so you nail all these things. And now all of a sudden, here you are at the apex, top of the world. And there's something that you can't control. Yeah. And that's where, for me, I discovered that, that identity is the key to everything. That's the wow. foundational mindset that you have that can accomplish whatever. And, it, and I've realized that I've been able to do a lot of different things, but ultimately, so what? My legacy is not going to be based upon Super Bowl champion, um, you know, how much money I'm going to leave to my kids, whatever the accomplishments or my accolades by the plaques I have hanging in my office wall here. My, my legacy is going to be based upon relationships. Wow. Who I am, who I've been able to impact, my kids, my wife, you know, those men that I've mentored. That's, to me what identity is about. So for me, living excellence, as we're talking about, it's first and foremost, identity. I use a mathematical equation, identity plus integrity equals excellence. Yeah. I don't care what you do in life. If you know who you are, that our, our whole purpose is men. If you profess a belief in Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior is to worship him and to make mm -hmm. his name known, right? Make disciples, which yeah. you're all about. And you do that no matter if you're a, a coach, a a teacher, a lawyer, a real estate professional. It doesn't matter what you do. You do it for the Lord and you do it with excellence, with humility, with courage, listen to others, servant leadership. That's yeah. what living life of excellence is about. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, in, because God has called us to gather together in the church. Of course, we're doing it online now, but we gather together as, as a band of brothers in a brotherhood. And in that, to me, the issue is for too much, too much of our Western culture, we've been performance-based and we've been basically saying, okay, you've got so many people in the seats. But my thing is the true measure of a church is not how many people are in the seats, but how many disciples you put in the streets. Amen. That's where it's at. And that's why I appreciate wingmen and your books and the materials and you know, and you know, all the things you've, you've done. Hey, this is Brian Boyd, uh, your co-host here at Brave Men. And we'll be back in a moment with more of uh, Chad and, and Paul's uh, talk. And I tell you what, it's great. But uh, right now I want to remind you of a, a couple quick things. Uh, CMN.men, CMN.men is a, a great location to go. It's the only location to go to get updates on Paul, uh, Christian Men's Network, and all of the collateral and resources that are there for you to become a better husband, a better father, uh, a better office uh, office guy, or, or whatever you do, whatever line of work you're in, um, there's something for you. You know, uh, uh, when I grew up, Edwin Lewis Cole, Paul's father, uh, meant a whole lot to me. And his book, Maximize Manhood, uh, changed the course of men around the world. And uh, um, Paul and, and his team carry that mantle and you'll want to go to cmn.men uh, to get that information. Uh, next, hey, this coming Monday and every Monday for the near future, 
nine o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, I don't know what time that is in Hawaii or London, so you'll have to do the math. But nine o'clock live is CMN Monday Night Men. Uh, it's almost 30 minutes long. It's Paul one-on-one with you. And there's great, great content and very topical content for you uh, right out of Paul's heart. It's live on YouTube. In fact, it's so easy to get to. Go to YouTube and search for Monday Night Men and you'll go right there. You can you can uh, put a reminder and nine o'clock Monday night, you can watch it. Of course, it's available on demand after Monday, but uh, you'll want to watch it live. It's really, really cool. Uh, and so uh, uh, be sure and check those out. And if you want to get more information from Paul, drop him an email, paul at cmn.men. That's paul at cmn.men. And uh, he reads every email that he receives. Let's get back to the interview with Chad and Paul. Tell me what happened to your son. So let's let's finish that deal. With yeah, no, he, um, we went through that whole process for years. He ended up, as I said, having an autoimmune illness where his body, we we're assuming that he had a, a reaction to an immunization where his body turned against itself and was attacking mm-hmm. itself and had all these symptoms. But we kind of got it stabilized after years. Years. And, and after he went on and graduated from college, uh, you know, he has some physical limitations now, but he's, Great kid, full-time job, dating a nice young lady. I mean, his, you know, all things do work for the good, ultimately. And yeah. he loves the Lord and he's plugged in, serving in the church. So I'm I'm very proud of it. That's fantastic, man. That's 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 a great story. And you have two children, right? Yeah, I have a daughter who just graduated from college this last year and she's doing some continuing education courses yeah. now. Fantastic. Congratulations on that. And then your son's about to be married. Is that what you said? No, no, he's, he's dating. 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 Dating, yeah. Oh, man, Sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to move that along too fast. Don't, don't accelerate that faster than it needs to. Man, no kidding. Don't scare yeah, his no mother. Kidding. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So tell me about your father. My dad. Growing up. Yeah. My, you know, that's, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. And I got to work with my dad, you know, when I wasn't in school later. But, you know, every day in the summertime, my brothers and I and my grandfather was there too. We, we, I grew up on a family farm that has been in our family for 135 plus years. Wow. Very generational. So I learned all about the aspects of we fed cattle, we raised corn and soybeans. So it was a lot, you know, something to do every day, all day long. Oh yeah. That's where no matter how you felt, if you didn't feel well, who's going to feed the cattle? You know, you got to get out there and do it. Nobody else. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Kind of like the, being a postal worker, right? Mailman. Rain, sleet, snow, or shine. Um, but my dad was a quiet man. He, he came to the Lord later in life um, mm-hmm. before he married my mom. Um, he was baptized, and you know their relationship was as such that I learned it was about attitude, positive thinking, and a lot of those intangible traits. Not that he verbalized those, but, I, but he modeled it. Modeled it very well. Extremely hardworking young man, man, and and I knew that uh, I knew he loved me. He pretty much. My mom and dad made it to every one of my college football games. They either wow. drove, you know, nine hundred plus miles to the Air Force Academy from where I grew up in Iowa. That wow. to me, that that showed a lot of ded- dedication as well as uh, how much you know he loved the sacrifice that he had to make. Yeah, to be able to be there. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And the fact, and the fact that. that- 
that when you said he modeled it for you, to me, it's, it's sort of like this. My dad taught me this. He said, uh, children may not always listen to you, but they will always imitate you. Amen. I had, Chad, I was playing golf with a guy. Uh, my kids went over here to Fort with Christian, and I was playing golf with one of the other dads because our boys played, uh, my sons played basketball, were their main sport. Well, they played everything, but basketball was the one that, they ended up in and so I'm, I'm with one of the other dads we're playing golf and and at the end of it uh he's complaining about his son and i think it in fact they had just graduated and his son's a freshman at, at uh, smu and he's complaining about him just not being serious and and he's messing up and he's drinking too much and all this he's just complaining about him and finally and i knew this guy a little bit finally i go you know and we talked about it and i said i with not a condemning way i said you know here's the the issue man, is that children may not always listen to you, but they'll always imitate you. Man, he came unglued. He, he got up. We're over at the Irving Club over here, and, and he goes, if he did that, if he was like me, he'd be successful. He'd be grinding. He'd be, you know, all this stuff, right? Only to find out about a year later, Chad, this man owned a series of banks and some other stuff, only to find out he got indicted for fraud. He had multiple affairs going on. He had all this stuff that nobody knew about. But his son was actually replicating what he saw in his dad's spirit. Amen. Yeah. And I think that's key. So for your dad, and so for most of us as men, uh, most men listening right now probably didn't have that kind of upbringing. So I thank God for that. How has that adjusted how you parent? Because obviously you reached this point with Chase. And do you remember the moment where you actually prayed? Or was it a series of moments that you prayed and said, God, I'm, I'm just done trying to control it? It was over time. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't one of those snap your fingers. It was right. a continual aspect of brokenness. To get me wow. to the point, I had a lot of armor that I had placed up. And, you know, I still do. And I think that's one of the key components, just as a quick sidebar, as men is, we need to be self-aware yeah. of who we are because we, as men, we can rationalize any thought, any yeah. words, any behaviors that yeah. we have. And we need to be aware that um, before we criticize anybody else, you know, look at yourself, you know, pull the plank out of our own eye before we look <laughs> yeah. at respect another brother's eye. But how my, I've tried to parent was one of the things my, I grew up in that generation where your dad never really told you he loved you. Right. You know, you, you knew it, but he didn't, what didn't verbalize it. Yeah. And wasn't necessarily, wasn't affectionate. But for me, I tried to be very much so hugging my kids, yeah. tell them I love them every day. When I'd come home, give them a big hug. How was your day? When I'd leave, when they leave, or I'd drop them off at school. How you doing? You know, and just try to be there in their lives. You know, yeah. was I perfect at it? No, there were times. And, and to be totally transparent. When I was playing for the Cowboys, when my kids were really young, There'd be times where I'd be home physically, but mentally, I'm still thinking about the game. Checked out. I'm thinking about practice, what I got to do that next time. And, you know, I wasn't there for my wife. It wasn't there for my kids. Mm. You know, my wife in her loving manner pointed it out to me as my wingman saying that, you know, yeah. I need to get better on that. Take time for people. And, and that's something that um, in that performance-based mentality, you know, for me, how I, I think I truly am wired I had to be self-aware and, and watch those check myself to make sure mm. that I'm 
plugging along the way that God wants me to be. Yeah. So parenting style, you know, I try to be more hands-on, love my kids, be affectionate. And, and, and my kids know, I mean, I, I am confident my kids know that I love them because yeah. I tell them all the time. You know, that's, that's huge. I had, a, I, I, I get a number of guys who ask me, you know, what's the most important thing I do for my kids? And, and I know they want this spiritual sort of one, two, three. And I usually start with, uh, I don't know, maybe just hugging the guy and giving him a kiss on the cheek. And they're like, no, I mean, what do I do? I go, no, I'm serious, man. Yeah. Man, my boys are, my son, my kids are older than yours and my boys are still in their, in their thirties and they're professionals and, you know, but I, they know they're going to get a hug and a kiss from dad. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I think there's something about that. And then the other thing you mentioned about your dad is being present. And the thing that you didn't do is you were there, but you weren't present. I think being present's huge, Chad. Now that began to shift and change then. And your wife helped you make that transition. Amen. Amen. And that's, you know, I read a inter- very interesting book. Don't necessarily agree with some of the solutions, but um, the book called The Boy Crisis, and I forget the gentleman's name who wrote. Men it's called, it's William Art. Farrell. Yeah, William Farrell's book. Yeah. You know, he, great research book on that, but he talked about the importance of a father just where they get their. I got it here on my desk. Yeah, that's it. Great book. I, I don't necessarily agree with some of his solutions that no, he has. Right. None of them, actually, but. But he diagnoses the issue very well. And, and one of the things that I pulled from that was that when there is a father in the home, a male influence mm-hmm. in the home with young kids, it actually impacts them physically, physiologically by their lifespan. Yes. I mean, they did the study, if you recall, on the telomeres, which are an indication on your cell of longevity of life. Those young kids, particularly young males that didn't yeah. have a father, there was like a, a 14, 15% decrease in the length of the telomeres, which means these kids' lifespan is shortened just because the father is not present in the home. Yeah, he, he, uh, he had one study. Remember this where he was, he was looking at what works? And uh, right in the middle of the book, uh, it's about page 220 or something in, in the hardback, uh, he said he goes to the and watches his Catholic priest with these young boys and, and watches their self-awareness and their sense of identity growing in them. And he says in that book, he said, uh, he said, basically what I'm looking at is possibly the solution to all of this is something that, w- that the priest would call Father God. And I thought, man, that guy, you know, I mean, he's a research guy. Uh, John Gray helped him write it. So that's right. it's pretty amazing. Now, so you've been involved in all this and Ken Harrison who's a mutual friend. You guys are very close. Uh, he has taken over and heading up Promise Keepers, which I'm buying into what he's uh, talking about. I think he's got a great sense of uh, balance and the vision of picking up from uh, a man who was a, has, has been a very dear friend, Coach Bill McCartney. In fact, 1986, it was when I met Reggie, uh, Coach Bill McCartney put his hand on my back he had just taken over. He had just left Bo Schimbeckler's staff and was just taking over Colorado. And uh, it seems it was 80, may have been 87. And he put his hand on my back and he said, I'm going to pray for you every day. And every time I've seen him, which has been multiple times since then, we know he's not in good health right now. But 
uh, he would look at me and go, you know, I'm praying for you. I go, I know you are, coach. He's an amazing guy. And uh, Ken Harrison, I think, has picked up, you know, um, if you will, a new vision, a modern vision, but the same temperature. And you're on that board now with Promise Keepers. Tell me why you joined that and what your sense is about where that's headed and, and why it's needed today. Yeah, I, same sentiment about Coach McCartney, Coach Mack. What a visionary and a guy yeah. who's passionate, knew his purpose yes. as a coach in changing the lives of young men. Um, so I applaud PK. I went to PK event at Old Texas Stadium yeah. in the early 90s. And uh, what an impactful feeling to be there when you had whatever there was, 40-some thousand guys yeah. singing Amazing Grace. It, it brought chills. Yeah. Yeah. It literally brought chills uh, up and down. But, um, but Ken, no, I, I joined the board because, you know, like you and I, we see this aspect, as we talked about, the epidemic of the isolated male. Yeah. And guys, to pull them out of their shells, it takes other guys. And it's not a program, another program in a church. It takes, right. bottom line is what it takes is one man to reach out to another guy, put their arm around him and say, hey, Follow me. Come with me. Come yeah. check this out. And I mean, it's not rocket science. And that's where, you know, PK is not the end all. PK is going to be, I think, can be utilized as a spark to ignite a powder keg. Yeah. But this is where we need the, the big C, the body of Christ, the men that listen to your podcast to realize I've got a role in this. Yes, that it's not. Does. Yeah, that I no longer have the luxury to sit on the sidelines, sit on the bench and expect some other pastor or paraministry leaders to go out and to, to disciple. Yes. It's, it's up to me. God commands me to do that. Bam. So that's where Promise Keepers, I think, Ken's vision to host one event, you know, once a year, July 31st, August 1st, right before the football season kicks off, every year in a different NFL city. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. To, just to gather men together once a year to remind us of this calling, but it's going to take the church. It's going to take peer ministry organizations. It's going to take the whole body of Christ to actually execute and to accomplish the mission. It's like, okay, from a military perspective, we're going in PK, we're going in, we're getting our mission brief yeah. guys. This is where we're going to go. This is how we're going to attack. We're going to be motivated, you know, get that general patent speech. Yep. Now go out and do it. And everybody's called their own strength, their own ways, their own relationships. You can do it. Just go and do it. You know, do, just do the uh, Nike model. Just go and just do it. And that yeah. means utilizing your ministry for materials. Um, but it's just caring about other guys and just committing to meet on a regular basis. So you know, that's, that's, that's why I joined PK. Yeah, that's it right there, man. It is one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I was talking to a psychologist the other day on our uh, our master class that we're building for majoring in men. And uh, they, he said the average person in their lifetime will impact the lives of 82,000 people by your words, your actions. Some, in some way you actually help touch the fabric of who they are. So every single man has a, has a role somewhere in this single married, older, younger, you know, I, I, I think about uh, the man who's our chairman of our board, Bishop Dale Bronner, who, when he was 13, uh, organized Bible studies in his, uh, in his school. And at 13 years of age, 
impacted the lives of people that he still now 40 years later still hears from. You know, so, so this thing, I, what I like about the PK uh, thing that, uh, that Ken's talking about and you guys are involved in and that we're supporting is that it's about stirring things up. And it's not just about the stadium. The stadium is the tip of the spear so that what happens is that men do take responsibility and say, yeah, I need to text that guy. I need to call a guy. Uh, I need to grab a guy on a FaceTime or whatever, the Skype or something call. And, and just check in with him and see how he's doing and see what's up. And then maybe I can hand him, you know, one of your books or, you know, here's, here's a website for wingmen or here's the meeting in Grapevine or here, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Might bring that kind of thing. Everybody has a role. So man, I could talk about this stuff all day, but I, I know you've got stuff, but uh, man, thanks for being with us, Chad. And we pray blessings on your family, you and your wife and family, your business, your ministry, wingmen. Uh, pray that every place you put your feet is holy ground. Everything you put your hands to, it'll prosper. And that God will keep you in the center of his favor in the days and years to come. And thank you for taking the hits and the pain that it takes to do what you do. Because these uh, taking ground doesn't come easy. Amen. So we bless you and we thank God for you, Chad. Thank you. Thanks for, Appreciate thanks for the time, man. God bless you, bro. Paul, that was another... Uh, really great interview and um uh I, it, it's so amazing you're able to get time with chad to have this talk i don't know how you cornered him but that was just incredible you know the the thing about guys like this and a lot of the well it seems like everybody we get to talk to uh, every time we do a podcast you know this he's so passionate about what he believes in and there's no equivocation it's not like well you know that kind of did this and I, He's a man who uh, built some plans in his life, built some strategies. And when he talked about, you know, his principles of, of business and living, it wasn't just something that, you know, it was like he read it in a book the other day. I thought this would be cool in an interview. These, these came out of his life, you know, as uh, if you've seen, you know, a lot of us are just listening to this, but if you see the video, uh, on the video, uh, you can see him, he's just, he's responding. He's not reading prompts. He's not looking at notes. He's just responding out of the depth of his life. And, and uh, you know, that's the kind of guy, like I said before, it just makes you a larger person when you're around him. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I think um, uh, you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you start beating yourself up. And uh, it's too soon to do that. Yeah. And then you hang out with people who lip, who don't maybe lift you up. And, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not saying I even know how to do that, Paul, but, but I, I think we need to, to spend more time with those kinds of folks. You know, I don't know. Well, here's what do you do? What do you, what do you do during the day? If you're hanging out with someone that's bringing you, I mean, tactically, how do you do that? What well, do you look do? at it, look at it this way. Jesus hung out with a lot of different people and he was called a friend of sinners. And one of the big accusations against him was when the, uh, when the, when the guys who were the head of the temple and the chief priests, they go, they say, he hangs out with bad people, you know, and, and he did, but he didn't spend all his time there. In fact, the majority of his time with, with the men that he was discipling, the people that uh, he was around, uh, you know, Lazarus, his, Lazarus's sisters, you know, his half-brothers, all those people. So, you know, we, we can kind of, if we're not careful, we can put toxic people in our lives so much that that stuff rubs off. You know, it's kind of like bad morals right. always corrupt good character 
And it's true. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Well, thank you, Paul, for that and, and, and uh, sharing your interview with Chad. Uh, reminder, if you'd like to uh, uh, ask a question or if you have a suggestion for the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Paul at cmn.men. Uh, that's Paul's direct email, and he will get your email and respond. Paul at cmn.men. Uh, for Paul, I'm Brian Boyd, and we'll see you next time on the Brave Man Podcast. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.